uh, I want to introduce you to my friend, uh, a guy who I deeply admire. Uh, he is uh, our outreach pastor along with his wife, Perla. Uh, they serve this community and this city, uh, and he's going to come and share the word with us. So f- without further ado, Fernando, come on. Wow. You hear me? Yeah. That's one too. He just could have kept going, right, and finished this thing off and saved me the pain. <laughs> But uh, it's such a blessing to be here, and really, I hate to feel the adrenaline. Uh, my son always tells me that I go and rise with him, and I hate it. But this is the adrenaline that I like to embrace. Not because I like to be on the spot, on the highlight, but because I'm always expecting what God's going to do in me and through me. You know, I used to be reluctant to, Shane always tells me, like, hey, man, you should, share, you should share, you should go up there. It's like, nah. But then God spoke to me and, uh, and really sink in this idea that when you feel ashamed to speak, when you feel ashamed to share, you're really saying to God, you're not worth it. You're not worth my shame. We put ourselves first, you know, and, and be like, God, you're not worth it because I'm not going to shame myself. I'm going to make a fool of myself because of you. And that really hit me, you know, because that's what really happens. You know, you're afraid to make a fool of yourself. You're afraid to say it because it's going to come out wrong. But at the end... It's all about what, he's, what he wants to do through you, right? So, so this is not my message, though. <laughs> but I just wanted to share this with you. You know, last week, uh, Pastor Mike, he, at the beginning of his message, he uh, put up a disclaimer, you know, saying that he didn't want to share that message. So I got a disclaimer for you, too. <laughs> this is my first time uh, sharing in English, like a whole thing. So, if you understand something, know that Jesus loves you. <laughs> and everybody understood that because you all laughed, right? So, but I'm excited for what God is doing, what he's speaking. And uh, I was struggling to put a title of my message because, you know, it's, it's a topic that's so broad, it's huge. You can go hours and hours speaking about it. But one morning I woke up and um, I was praying in my head. But really came this idea of like living my best life today. And I'm like, how, 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 how is this real for me? Living my best life today. I'm like, I have to get up and go to work. I have a teenage, teenager kid at home that I'm always worrying about what he's going to do next, you know. And all the things that life is throwing at us every day, it's like, how is that possible that we're going to live my best life today, that I can live my best life today? And the more I thought about it, I was like, nah, this, this title doesn't even make sense. I was like, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it for my message. And then... Uh, 
as God spoke to my heart, really thinking that we could live our best life today. It could start today. And I'm going to tell you why, because everything that we need, everything that God has for us, it is available today in Him. It's not everything that we want. We want all things. We have dreams and goals. We have, you name it, right? But what we can enjoy in Christ and God, He is available today. We just saw the empty tomb, and uh, He's not there. You know, he said, I'm going to pay for your sins. He didn't say half of it. Some of it today, some of it tomorrow, and then you work your way up until everything's forgiven. He didn't say that, right? He said everything that was held against us, he paid for everything, the cross. So it really makes sense. It really makes sense that what God has for us, it is available today. And then you can live in joy, you can live in peace, you can feel complete today because... He has already done it. It's, it's already surfed right there. But like I was telling you, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels like we're so, we're struggling, we feel defeated. You know, last few weeks, Pastor Shane's been sharing about the house that God's building and how we're part of that house and how we can just lean into what God is doing. And... Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes we feel like, well, I don't feel part of it, right? We're still finding our place. We're here. We're in a new place. You know, like, for me, really, like coming from last couple years, I would have never imagined to be here, especially standing here right now. You know, and sometimes it was a time where, like, we felt lost, like, where we go from here? You know, and then you're struggling to find your place. You're struggling to, we have an idea where we want to go. Like I always believed that I was supposed to go back to a Spanish church. I was going to go do this, this. I had everything figured out. And all of a sudden, it just got just like, boom. That's not where you're going. But, you know, we have that sense of loss. We feel lost. Sometimes we, we're living in fear, we're living in doubt, we're living in, in shame, right? And we really struggle to, to find another place. So I want to I wanna share uh, pretty much uh, this time to really encourage you and really look into what, ha- what God has for us, what He has already determined for us, who we are in Him, and that we, what He has available for us today. You know, um, it's, it's really simple. It's something that, you know, Christianity 101, but sometimes we just get lost. Sometimes we just lose track of it, and we get so caught up in other things than what God has for us. It's already served. It's already right there for us to grab, and, and we just like going up and down and feeling lost, and, and especially in this culture, you know, we're like, going up and down, but what really God wants us to do is to really settle down and breathe. <laughs> and I was struggling like this couple of weeks. It's been a roller coaster. I was, uh, I was, uh, we were doing uh, live groups and I was preparing for that and this and, and really had to 
God really had to grab me and sit me down and be like, relax, dude. This is not about you. It's about me. So I went in the shower. I went in the shower and put some worship music, and I'm there worshiping the Lord. And, it's just a relief. It's not about me. It's about him and about what he's doing. It's not complicated. It's so simple. And, and I want to break down this verse. It's one of my favorites. It's in uh, 1 Peter uh, 2, 9, 10. It took me a while to uh, really sink in into this uh, verse, but you read 1 Peter chapter 2, 9. It says, But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who call you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Oh, Father, I thank you for the riches of your glory. Thank you for what you have available for us that you already paid for. And today, Lord, we just want to sit at the table and really enjoy uh, the riches that you have for us. Lord, we just want to set our hearts in knowing that you are in control. Like we were singing, Lord, it is well, it is well. It's everything, it's already paid for. Everything is already being done at the cross, Lord, and we can just sit down and enjoy what you have for us. And we just ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit today and uh, you speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, um, I want to tell you guys a story. Uh, if you know me, I am Mexican. I know I look kind of French and you know, some kind of mix. But I was born in down in central Mexico. It's a little town. Uh, the city is Querétaro, and I'm like miles into the Sierra, up in the mountains. Where if you, I tell my son, if one day you want to run away, that's where you want to go hide. So I'm going to lay out a map, so this is where you're going to go. You're going to land there, then you're going to take a bus here, and then you're going to go all over there. You're going to find your uncles and tias over there, and that's where you want to hide. So I grew up in a population of about 200 people, and uh, we, uh, we, I was born Catholic. My mom, were, the whole town was Catholic at the beginning, but then a family came over, and uh, they bring the gospel, so they, they share with us after, uh, I think I shared this before, after my dad passed, this family helped my dad to, my mom, uh, when my dad had an accident and he passed. So they really connected with us and they started sharing the gospel, so my mom um, became Christian and obviously us being little kids, we inherited, you know, it's like pass it on to us. But... It really, really took a grab in my heart since a young age. But what, uh, so this family came over, they shared the gospel, and uh, they really raised the bar, you know, like how Christians should behave and should live, you know. Now that I see it, I was like, man, these, these people really, because people had a concept, I mean, Catholic people had a concept of what Christians are, you know, and and for us, when we came to Christianity, they, they told us, like, Christians are not supposed to drink. Christians are not supposed to go to parties and dance. Christians are not supposed to smoke. Are not supposed to uh, listen to secular music. 
and you name it, you know, they laid out the whole book. And, and the, the crazy thing is that not the Christians, they would hold accountable. You know, it was the non-believers who would hold accountable, you know, the Christians. You know, they were like, look at you, you're a Christian. Look at you, you're not supposed to do that. And they will listen to you because they, they know you. They're your neighbors. You know, everybody knows everybody. So if you, they see you doing something that Christians are not supposed to do. They will bash you, you know. Like, and then they don't want to listen to you. Well, the reason I'm telling you this part is because I remember growing up, I was going to uh, about elementary school. It was elementary. I was like probably 12 years old. So we would go to the town center, which is like miles away. We would go and do our shopping every Sunday. So we would go, I would go with my mom. And there's like a big, you know, swap meet. You find anything you like, you know, in there. So I'm walking through it by myself and I found uh, uh, the music section where they're blasting, you know, the good jams back then. Probably you know it. And obviously, you know, I'm a kid. I, I'm attracted to music. I was like music. So I go approach the music stand and I'm searching, you know, back then we used the cassettes, you know, it's like, if you know, if you're old, older than me, <laughs> you probably know it. So I found this cassette that I, the, the band that I really liked. So I'm like, hmm, this sounds good. So I was, I was tempted. Well, actually it wasn't tempted. I was tempted and I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> So I went out, buy it. I was like playing this in my head. I was like, I have, a, I have my Walkman. It's going to be in my head. It's going to be in my ears. Nobody's going to hear it. It's just for my personal delight, you know. So I'm going to take it home. I'm going to use it at home. So I bought it. I took it. But deep inside my heart, I was like, man, what if I get caught? And no later, that afternoon, I went back home. We made a stop, you know, the, the town, my, my hometown center is like right here. And my home is like on the other side. So for some reason, we stopped right there. There's a bunch of kids. And uh, some kids approached me. They were like, what are you listening to? Uh-oh. I was like, nothing. This is none of your business. And somehow they snatched the thing out of me. And they listened to it. I was like, what are you doing? You know, I thought Christians are not supposed to listen to that music. And I'm like, that's not for me. You know, some kids at my school, they ask me to buy it for them, so I'm going <laughs> to give it to them. You know, I'm just playing to make sure it's, it, it, it works great. You know, cassettes, sometimes they were defective, you know. The <laughs> so all of a sudden, I start making up stories. I get mad. And uh, I, really, I really felt like ashamed. I really felt like, this is not who I am. This is not what I'm supposed to be. And I was a kid, but, you know, for me at that time, I, I'm a Christian. I got to be different. I have a standard to live up to. And I took it seriously, and I felt ashamed. But, well, the point of that story is that, you know, sometimes we get, sometimes we, we get caught in that, right, when we're doing something that we're not supposed to do. Sometimes we find in places where, like, we feel out of place. We feel that conviction that, you know, this is not who I am. You know, um, 
And the Bible is full of those stories. You know, if you see uh, Moses, you know, when, when God told him to go back to Egypt, he was like, he was scared. And he really put up, put up a fight with God, telling him, like, no, I don't want to go. Uh, you see Elijah, he was like, after he killed 300 of the, you know, evil priests, he went up in the cave and cried his heart out. He was like, no, you know, I'm afraid for my life. And uh, you see other people. You see Peter, too. He was like, Lord, I won't deny you. I won't say this. You know, I'll be with you till, even if they kill me, you know, I'm going to stick with you. And at the end, you know, you see him crying of remorse. And, uh, and we see David, too, right? We've been, we've been looking at him on our, our uh, live groups. And we see him really uh, a tough guy, a guy that, well, not a tough guy, but a, a man that really loves the Lord. He's so powerful in his uh, conviction. And, and later we see him, later we see him running for his life, right? If you see uh, on First uh, uh, Samuel, we see David. Uh, we see David running for his life. He was he was afraid that Saul was going to kill him, so he said. But the servants of what is how do you say that name? Achish said to him, "Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't the one that they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands." David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gad. And I like, I don't like, but it's funny, the next part. He says, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on doors and gate of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to him, to his servants, look at this man. Look at the man. He is insane. So... What I'm trying to tell you is what, what our fear does to us. Yeah. You know, when we are put in that position that people confront us and, and we let uh, those things really get to us, how we completely change our, you know, perspective, how we end up living our life just because we let those things get to us. And uh, we see David, he was so powerful. He was so, I believe God chose him and really impacted his life at a young age. But we see him here in this position where, like, he's unrecognizable. You can recognize him. He, he's so out of character. He's so desperate. <clears throat> and that's funny because when he was running away, he, I think he met a, a, I don't know if it was a priest, but he asked for weapons, and he was like, we don't have any weapons. The only thing we have is a Goliath sword. And he was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, I want to take it. And what's funny for me is like, dude, you're holding the living evidence that God was with you. And the very thing that God gave you to defeat this guy, and you're holding it. It's in your hands, and you still believe that. These people can harm you. You're still running as a defeated man, as a defeated person. But that's not who you are. And that, that sometimes happens to us. You know, we let fear, 
we let other people, we let the culture, we let our surroundings really dictate who we are. And we're just living in that position. We're, we, sometimes we're so defeated that we're just like acting like nothing happened before. And that was what, that's what David was doing here. He was running for his life. But what I love about David is that, you know, when he was chosen in the beginning, we heard the story in the, in the book, you know, God really grabbed his heart when he was out there, you know, uh, caring for his father's sheep. You know, he was out there and, and really God grabbed a hold of him. And even on this moment when he was like not himself, he cried out to the Lord and God delivered him. And, and, and for me, I, I know he screwed up a lot. And what I love about David is that God didn't hide his uh, shortcomings. God really exposed him. And even when he wanted to, God really brought him out to life. Like, this is you, man. You know, when we heard uh, when, when he uh, uh, killed Uriah, he took his wife, you know, the prophet Nathan came to him and was like, you are that man. You're, you're the one who did this. But God always brought up, you know, his identity. God already really put him on the spot. And that's what I like about David, you know, and, and that's who, who we are in God. You know, God impacted his life out there. Uh, he never denied his mistakes. And he always knew that he could go back to that beginning, to that place where God touched his heart and really bring him up again. You know, he said sometimes, he, he said, it's better to be in God's hand and in hand given than be restored. You know, sometimes um, when we mess up, we feel like, you know, everything's done. Like we don't have a forgiveness. We don't have a chance. But all we need to do is go back to that beginning. You know, I like, I like David because he, in a way, I, I see myself in him. Not because I kill lions or bears or giants. But God really grabbed a hold of my heart when I was a kid. You know, growing up in the mountains, I, my, I would, uh, we would raise sheep too. I was a pastor back then, <laughs> pastor of actual sheep. So I would go up in the mountains and be by myself all day. It was really fun times, you know. I, I didn't care of the dangers, you know, it's like, I would look for the tallest tree and the tallest rock to climb on. And I was all by myself and just like, man, this is fun. I would look to the shade in the mountains. And it was like, it's about time to go home. I didn't have a watch or a phone to call my mom. Hey, mom, I fell off the tree. You know, come pick me up. <laughs> and sometimes I go back home and my mom wasn't there. I'm like, right now I'm like, what if I didn't make home? She wouldn't even knew that I came back home. So, but at those times, you know, uh, the times that I spent and by myself, I was thinking about God. I was really going through, uh, I didn't know much scripture, but really took a hold of my heart. And, and I feel like today when I screwed up, when I feel like I always go back to that moment. I always go back to those times where, God, you picked me up from here. You know, this little boy that came out from the sheep. 
he made me somebody. He he pulled me up. He grabbed me. He he chose me from that from that spot right there. And I see David too. It's like, you know, he came out. He worked his way up. He became a general. He became king. But I believe David always went back to that moment. It's like, this is where everything started. Yeah. This is where God started His work with me. And, and for me, it's such a blessing, such an honor just to be like, look, look where God has brought me to today. And sometimes, you know, me grow, having those beginnings makes sometimes the devil comes to you and be like, you're nobody. You know, you came here. I have no college degree. I, sometimes we struggle to make rent, you know. And... Uh, I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to be here, tomorrow I'm going to be back in Mexico or whatever, but God reminds me of his promises again. Yeah. Hey, come on. You know, I prospered the people of Israel being slaves over there for years, and God made him flourish. He was like, how can I not do that with you? And then God settles my heart again. He was like, I got you. I got you, you know. And that's what I want to encourage you today, you know. We let the culture, we let everything just get bombarded in our minds, in our hearts, to a place where we diminish God's glory in us, what God wants to do in us. And we feel like we're not worth it. We live in fear. We live anxious. And we really struggle just to get up in the morning and and feel encouraged, you know, I'm going to go and do this and do that. But that's where the enemy wants to have us, in that position where you're not effective. And I want to lay down... uh, Three ideas of this verse that, like I told you before, it really took a while to really uh, be real in my life. You know, and the first idea is freely given. It is sealed and it is paid for. Wow. You know, in, the, in that verse, it says that we are chosen people. And when you realize that, that your identity is freely given. It just takes a whole lot off your shoulders, right? Because it's so common for us just going like, I got to do this. I got to become that. I'm working our way up. We're always striving to like, I got to earn my place. I got to work for it. I got to please the pastor. I got to give him his cut. No, I'm just kidding. But... You know, we're always striving to, to, to make ourselves worthy. Yeah. And we're like the, 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 the prodigal son brother. You know, he stay at home and he's like, Dad, what about me? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, everything it's here is for you. And we feel lost even in our own house. You know, we're always striving for favor, especially in this culture. You know, we always like want to identify ourselves with other people and be like, oh, you're this. And we let people tell us who we need, who we're supposed to be. And we're striving. We're working hard to be somebody, to earn our place. But the place that God has for us, it's already given. And it is for you. You don't need to work for it. You don't need to make a fool yourself for it, you know. You don't need to perform. God's love for you is not based on our performance. 
But he's just pick you up. He chose you. He's like, I want you. And grabs on your heart. And you could rest today be like, I don't need to earn my place in God. God has already given it to me. So take that in your heart, you know. And the next point that I, that I like about this verse is that my position in Christ is of royalty, not of slaves. Yeah. You know, one of the, the crazy the things that the enemy always uses me is like, oh, you're an immigrant. You're this and that. You come from this culture. You come from this place. You're not worthy. You're not enough. You always feel like below the rest of the group, you know. And this, this verse really, I always say like a fairy tale, you know. When you talk about royalty and you see... You see the news up there. You see how they live. You see how they dress. I'm like, why is God talking about royalty? You know, so I don't wear anything. I don't drive fancy cars. I don't do that. And, and we see it like so far away, right? I mean, to be honest, who would you think that you would be a royalty? Nobody, right? And he said, you're a royal priesthood. If you look to this story in the Old Testament, I mean, uh, you're familiar with it, you know, the priest was the only one allowed to go into God's presence. And even the king wasn't allowed to go into God's presence. As a matter of fact, the reason why uh, Saul got rejected is because he was, he was trying to do the priest's work, you know. He was doing sacrifice, what he wasn't supposed to do. But what I love about this part is that we are a royal priesthood means that we have free access to God's presence through Jesus. You know, we, sometimes we feel like not worthy. Sometimes we feel like slaves. We behave like slaves. You know, it's like, who, are, who, who am I? But the advantage that we have in Christ is that God opened the way for us yeah. to really go anytime you want. Anytime you want. You can go into God's presence and lay out your heart, lay out everything for him. All you got to do is cry out for him. I don't know if that makes you excited, but when I realized it in my life, you know, when I was preparing for this, I just got to do go in the shower and, and raise my voice and say, God, you know, I'm here. Yeah. And, and his Holy Spirit just came. It's like it says right here, you know, you can cry. Abba. Yeah, that's right. Daddy. I'm here. That is the access that you have in him. Yeah. I like this, this verse in Romans 8.4. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Rather the spirit you receive. Brought you about your adoption. To sonship. And by him we cry. Our father. The spirit of. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That we are God's children. Now we are children. Then we are heirs. 
heirs, heirs too of God and co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. We're heirs. We're not slaves. We're sons. We take part of that. And not just that, but we take, we have full and free access to the riches of his glory and his promise. That is available to you. All the promises you have. Like Pastor was saying, unmeasurably more. You know, the book was saying, the book of our life was saying, it's like you go into a cave and you find a treasure and you keep digging, and you keep digging, and you keep digging, and you keep finding more and finding more. And that's what God has for us. It never ends. So and I always like that promise. He said he will wipe every tear from your eyes. And one day we'll be just like him and we'll see him face to face. What else do you want? <laughs> what else do you want? The other part I like is, I didn't put up there, but. It says you're a holy nation. You're set apart for him. Man, I like the, he took my verse that I, was, that I wanted to read, which was it that who can condemn the chosen? He has already. You know, sin has nothing against us. Death has nothing against us. You know, but sometimes we let our past, we let our past sins just get to us and Keep us there you know, on our necks. But he, we're holy because he is holy. And that's what he shares with us. You know, he sanctifies, he cleanses, he already paid the price. He says in uh, Colossians 2.13, says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you, made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it, nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Wow. I don't know if you get excited, but I am. This is great. And when that becomes real in your life, it just rocks your world. It just changes everything. You know, we have every reason. You can say, I have every reason to live like this. But you have every resource available for you to not to feel that way, to not act that way. And the last part I like, he says, I'm called to share his glory. That's the last part of the verse. Let me say it. Let me find it. And really, that's our calling, right? He said he called us out of darkness to share his, his light. Let me find it here. It says, once you were not people, but now you are the people of God. He said, you got... God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that crazy? 
when you really realize that part. That's another, another weight off your shoulders. You know, because when you understand your calling, it's crazy how you see people in church, being in church for years, and they still fighting the ideas like, what am I going to do here? What's my job? You come, you see, you leave, come back next, next Sunday, and you come and see, and you leave. And uh, some of them are good singers, some of them are good at something, and 99% of us, we feel like we're not good at anything, right? It's like, why, why do I have to bring? Some of us, we struggle with ideas like, oh, I'm going to work my way up to be a pastor. I got to work my way up to be a, I say that, um, missionary. Oh, I got to be in music. I got to do that. And we just like really totally miss the point. And the point is that God has already set our destiny, what we're supposed to do, our calling. And what is our calling? What is our calling? He says that you may declare the praises of Him. That's all we got to do. Declare the praises of Him. One person at a time. You know, uh, a few weeks back, Don asked me uh, with our ministry, our compassion, he, he asked this question. He's like, have you feel like you have found success in the ministry or being successful? And I'm like, it's a good question, you know? It made me thinking. But then uh, I, I told him, well, it depends how you define success, <laughs> right? Like for some people, success is like gathering thousands of people and like, oh, they're here, fill up the room and Probably Shane would feel like I'm a successful pastor because the room is packed, right? Or because we raise such such amount of money for the ministry. But I told him this story. One time we went to Lansing down here where we're going to be next week, so sign up for it. <laughs> and uh, before we were pack, unpacking and I went... You know, we packed our car in the laundry room. He had to go through a couple apartments doors around to go around the corner to plug my extension cord. And as I go around, there's a man standing, sitting in a chair in front of his door outside his apartment. And I stopped. I stopped with him. I said hello, and I started talking, and I started sharing the gospel. He really started opening up his heart. And we're there, sitting there. I see people doing everything, setting up, which was good because I didn't do anything that day. But this man really listened to, really pay attention, and he opened his heart. And then uh, I went back, and we started doing the band. It wasn't really like a big turnout. Only some families were there. And I see the faces of, of some of the volunteers were like, yeah, this was lame, you know. <laughs> it wasn't really that big turnout. And sometimes we feel like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be here. But that day really got brought in my heart. Like, it was totally worth it. Because this man, you know, opened up his heart to the Lord. 
And for that person, it was totally worth it. For me, that's a total success. For me, that's success. If one person gets to know the Lord and experience the love of God, that totally makes sense. That's totally worth it. And that is our calling. You know, in the process of doing and going and serving, we miss the point. It's not about us. It's about what he wants to do through us in the lives of other people. All we got to do is let the Holy Spirit fill us, you know, that perfume, that oil that just gives out that fragrance and, and people get, you know, get to smell it, get to breathe it. And that's all we got to do. One person at a time. Stop struggling. Stop striving like, I got to please the pastor. I got to go do this. I got to do this. I got to go there. I got to work my way up. I got to become a pastor. I got to become this. It's one person at a time. Yeah. And God really confirmed to me this point this morning as I was talking to um, Uncle Sam. He's my uncle. I love you, brother. <laughs> and I love this man. If you see him, he always asked me about my day. And uh, I was talking to him this morning. He was like, I go three days. That's his routine. Three days he goes to dialysis. And the other two days he goes to the doctor. And he stays at a facility. But he says, I go there and play the, what is it? Symbols, or uh, percussions with the people in there. He was like, I encourage them. Sometimes they don't want to eat, but I encourage them. Sometimes they don't want to leave, but I go there. It's like, man, if a man in that position can do that, look what you can do, what God can do through you. You know, we could all feel sorry for ourselves. Like I'm this. He could be making the excuse, I'm blind. I have diabetes. I can barely walk. I can barely see. I can barely hear. But the Holy Spirit is in him, and he goes and impacting people's lives one person at a time. And that is our calling. That is what God has for us. He already laid it out since the beginning. He, already, he has already set out our plan, our beginning, our life, our purpose, and our final destination. Isn't that excuse enough to live our best life today? Right. Isn't that reason enough for us to enjoy the riches that God has for us today? Yes. You know, we could go on and live like we're lost, pretending and trying to get ahead. You know, I got to strive. I got to become this. I got to earn this by this year. I got to, we set out projections. We set out goals. And in the, in the process of doing it, we lose what God has for us in that process. God wants to use you and bless you during that process. And just grab onto that. Right? So we got to start from that position, like David. We got to come back to that beginning. So I want to invite you today to close your eyes for a minute. And, and play this light show in your head. Go from the beginning where the first memory that you have of yourself. Go from that moment and play out your life memories that you have. And even, in the, even the dark ones, even those ones that you feel ashamed of, 
even those ones that you feel like, I want to erase this from my history. I want to erase this. I don't want to go back to it. I don't want to leave those again. But look at your life and see the role that God has played in those, in those moments. God was there since, for me, it was that moment when I started out in the mountains with my sheep, then I go back all throughout. I don't know what you've been through. You've probably been through really rough times, rough days. He was there when you had that car accident. He was there with you when, I don't know, you lost a relative, you lost a kid. Even in the happy times, he was there. He was always there with us. He's always been there with us. He was taking your shame when you were ashamed, when you were afraid. In the darkest moments of your life, he was there. And if you are here today, it's because he loves you. He cares for you. And he's telling you today, I got you. You are my son. You're not a slave. You're not a beggar. Your sins are forgiven. You, I have for you everything that you need. He says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be there with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not be drowned. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God. Father, what else do we want? What else do we need? We have everything in you, Lord. We can see today at your table and everything that we need is served for us. You already paid for it. Father, let our hearts today just to settle down in that confidence that we are your children. We are your special, special possession. That we are loved by you to the point like you kneeled down that night and you grab a towel with water wash our feet. That's how precious you are. We are to you, Lord. And you walk that mountain and bear the cross for us. You took on you every seed that we could ever do. You took our shame. You took all our fears. You took all the punishment that was set for us. You took it there, Lord. So we could live today and live the best life we could have in you. We're not just here in this earth, but in your kingdom. And one day we will see your face. And you will wipe every tear from our eyes. And enjoy your presence for eternity. That's who we are in you, Lord. And just remind us today, every person that is here today, that are in this dark moment in their hearts.
that they're going through, Lord, remind them. Remind them that you are with them, that you will hold them, that you will bring them out of this situation they're going through, Lord, and just let us enjoy the best life that you have for us today, Lord. And we thank you and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on. So good. Wow. Tell you what, it's a lot of courage to do what Fernando just did. Love you, bro. Well, um, you are dismissed. Don't forget, don't forget next, uh, next weekend's going to be a special weekend. Uh, so prepare to stay afterwards and eat, eat with us, fellowship with us. And then let's start putting the word out for October 30th. Um, to, uh, to pack the house at the Center for the Arts. Good? All right, God bless you.